Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. This podcast is not sponsored by Castlemania Games. Ryan and I talked about it at the end, and I realized that I should have disclosed all of this right at the beginning, because as always, I like to be transparent with everybody. But Ryan is the owner of Castlemania Games. I am friends with Ryan, and I do a lot of work with Castlemania, but this podcast is not sponsored by it. There are no affiliate links to Castlemania Games in the description, although if you want to have podcasts as clear and as nice as this one, go to retrorgb.link forward slash Riverside and use coupon code RetroRGB30. But Riverside is the one behind this one, not Castlemania. So I just wanted to make sure I was open and transparent because, you know, I always try to be. This is really just two friends talking about behind the scenes stuff that I think would be pretty interesting to everybody in the retro gaming world. Uh, But if not, and you were bored to death, just at least know that I wasn't getting paid to do this. I really just wanted to talk to Ryan. So anyway, jump on in and let's check out an interview with Ryan from Castlemania Games. Hey, everybody. I am here with Ryan from Castlemania Games. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on? Good you with your pandemic hair and shit. Look at that. Last time I yeah. saw you, you were like a, you know, a nice trimmed boy over here. Now you're a long haired man. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't I hadn't had long hair since high school. And uh, and it is it's totally pandemic hair because uh, it just started growing out. And there was no way to really like unless you're going to DIY it, um, get a haircut. And then after a while, I just stuck with it yeah (laughs) yeah i so i always thought it would be cool to have long hair especially in bands and stuff except my hair grows out it does not grow down so it's like uh mine does too really mine mine does that i have to like put a lot of like heavy conditioner and stuff like that in there otherwise it would be like this right now like it would just puff up but uh yeah you'd get that like kind of rat's nest of hair going yeah up up top that's funny as shit. My my half brother, same way. My little brother too, but he's always mm-hmm. kept a little shorter. So every once in a while, it's got that like Sammy Hagar afro going, where he just you know it's huge. It's like a you know a giant helmet. So I feel like mm-hmm. I try to keep it long enough to offset the giant fucking head that I have, but but not so long that it just turns to a frizz curl thing. Or if it, it starts to rain, I just puff right up like a Q-tip. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess you've been quite busy, right? With everybody the past couple of years, spending more time at home and spending more time on hobbies. That must have just killed yeah. every single second of free time of yours, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely changed a lot over the last few years. Um, it, you know, I mean, it's it's changed in some, some ways I didn't really see coming. Um, some good, some bad. Uh, just the way products are, are coming out right now is, is of course different. Um, but the demand is there. And yeah, so it, it's been an interesting last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. So for anybody who is unfamiliar with you, so I guess what is Castlemania games and when did that come about? 
Well, Castlevania Games is an online retail store. Um, we we are strictly online. We don't have a brick and mortar. Uh, despite people do try to show up for brick and mortar, it's just a uh, shipping warehouse location that we have that's that's online. Uh, but it's online only, and um, it came out officially in 2017, but unofficially uh, much before that. And um, really, like, where it came from, um, I, I don't know. I feel like I talked to a lot of people, like, in our age group, age range, anyone in their um, late 30s, early 40s. I'm going to be 41 here in a few weeks. Um where it's like we had this this um, period of time where we were gamers, right? Like we were playing actively, keeping up with what's going on. And then you hit the spot in your early 20s where maybe other things come into play. Like for me, it was being in a band and playing shows and doing some light touring and stuff like that. I just got out of gaming altogether. Around um, like the last console i bought brand new before the current generation was the gamecube and well in ps2 but i didn't get an xbox and i missed the uh, 360 ps3 era altogether and i always say that to say when i started to get back into it i actually bought a 360 used uh to play with my kids in 2013 i want to say 2014 somewhere in there and that's really when I started to get back into gaming. I, I mean, I was a collector before. I was that weird guy that was buying NES games from the pawn shop in the late 90s, early 2000s. And nobody else even, it, it's like it just didn't even cross their minds. That it's like, you still have these games that are so good, you know? Mm. And I was that guy that did that. But like I said, I took this pause. And when I came back in, um, you know, I mean, I just... I, I had done like some stuff on eBay before and in my day job, we had um, an e-commerce element to one of the departments I worked in. So in my mind, it was just sort of this hustle of like thrifting, just doing what I did back when I was collecting back in the late 90s, like I was saying, going to thrift stores, buying stuff, separating out what I wanted and then selling the rest or trading it for whatever. So it initially just started off as a hobby for me. Hmm. Um, what would become Castlemania games, which, you know, this was like an eBay store that I was running. And over time, I just started um, doing all right on it, you know, doing doing well enough that it was it was something that I felt I could lean into a little bit. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I just started thinking about how, like, the biggest um, challenge for me to, to grow this into anything else is the way I'm doing it. it. It's like what got me started, which was thrifting and, you know, cleaning things up and selling them online. Uh, but that's not that, that's not scalable because you only have so much time right. in a day. And you may not find things that are even worth going after at, at that particular point in time. Um, you could still find stuff locally. But what I was really finding was um, the Goodwill, uh, the Seattle Goodwill used to have like, that's where everything got sent. And it was supposed to go on their Shop Goodwill uh, e-commerce platform, but it just wasn't performing there. So you could just go and get a lot of good like lots and stuff from there locally. And so that was kind of like my little 
secret spot, you know, that I could get all this stuff. But even then, um, and this is 20, probably 15 or so, I started realizing that the pricing is going up. The, you know, like I'm saying, it's not scalable. So I started looking into what can I just buy wholesale so that I don't have to create a new listing every single time I want to sell something, take a picture, write a description, post it, sell it. Now everything I just did is worthless because the next thing I find is going to be unique and different. So I have to do a new picture, a new description, so on and so forth. So what I did was um, I just started looking online. Um, believe it or not, at that point in time, I was totally unfamiliar with um, like some of the options that are out there from like Hyperkin and Retrobit and stuff like that. So like I said, I'd taken off a good decade mm. <laughs> from gaming. And I, I didn't know what was going on in the retro scene at that point in time. I, I just uh, was stepping back into it. I still had all my stuff. You know, I still had all my original consoles. I wasn't looking for ways to connect it and things like that at that particular moment until I tried to plug in my 64 into a modern TV. That was the, that was, that, that's a whole different tangent. But um, yeah, at that point in time, I just started researching, like, where can I buy this stuff wholesale and just sort of make a um, better use of my time. And so I hooked up with Retrobit and, and Hyperkin both. Um, and I started selling their stuff online, but even that's just like, um, there's nothing unique and different about that, you know, that's going to help you stand out. So, um, my, my background is in business. I mean, I, that's what I went to college for. I know how to draft up, you know, um, business plans with, you know, deliverables and like financials, you know, put something together that is, um, you know, like an actual business plan, right? Mm. So I, what I did, and this, this is kind of like my breakthrough moment. Um, well, there was a couple along the way. Um, when, when I first got started, Castlemania officially launched in April 2017. That's when um, the website went up and everything, like the name was actually that name. Before that, it was just various names. I'd changed it multiple times at this eBay store. So April 2017, it went up and I went to a local convention and uh, I'd known John Riggs from just like we're both from the Seattle area. He's on the other side of the mountains. But, you know, um, I, I just bumped into him a few times and we talked online, mostly on Instagram and uh, just about trading and collecting and that sort of thing. So I just said, hey, man, I, I got the store. I'm doing this thing and uh, approached him and. Uh, asked him if he'd be interested in doing a review on some of the products. And and that's how that started. Um, same thing with RGT85. He, he gave me a, a nice bump at the beginning too, where, you know, he was helping me out. Um, and I just, I, I approached him in a live chat during a live stream of a hangout where it was just like six people late night playing retro game. I, I don't even remember what, what we were doing exactly, but it was just like, just some people hanging out and uh, yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm into that. So um, next thing you know, and, and he'd probably seen uh, John do a video on me. So yeah, he knew who I was. So I had that, that little bit of steam going, but the real breakthrough moment that I was talking about a minute ago was I put this business plan together and I flew down to uh, CES 
in, I think it must have been 20, yeah, it was 2018, January. And, um, and I just showed up at CES. I, I just bought a plane ticket, bought a ticket to CES. And uh, my plan was to find stuff that other people don't have uh, that I could sell on the site, but also to engage with Retrovit and pitch this idea of um, bringing games that didn't come out here onto official licensed cartridges and all this kind of stuff. And so it was just one of those things where it was, they were getting ready to announce Holy Diver and all that stuff. Um, they they had like a few multi-cart collections they were releasing before then. And I just walked in with the same plan that they were getting ready to roll out. And so it was just kind of like good timing and um, just it worked out. So they were like, yeah, actually, we're doing that. <laughs> we're doing exactly that. And so we hooked up with them to do Holy Diver. And that, that's probably the thing that kind of put us on the map, I think, looking back. Um, the next thing after that was um, working with Retro Fighters. Um, I'd set up an account with them. They had their NES gamepad. Uh, they called the Jab Gamepad uh, controller. And I was promoting that through um, some of the people I'd met um, on YouTube and things like that. And so when they did their Brawler 64, um, you know, they, that was a just an overwhelmingly successful campaign for them. And we were kind of there along for the ride because we were helping promote that campaign and um, their other products. So we were kind of like an early um, supporter mm. on the ground level uh, with Retro Fighters. And so we've just been kind of tight. The whole way through so we've, we've helped each other out you know over the years uh kind of grow together so those 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 couple of key products are what put us on the map but um after that it's just this constant like just networking uh meeting new people figuring out ways to work together um you know a lot of people in our community have different talents um I'm not, I'm not going to sit down and design a PCB um, in Eagle or anything like that and figure out how to program logic onto this stuff. Uh, but the people that are really good at that, I found are not wanting to sell and support a product. And, you know, so other, other pathways just start opening up as, as you go. And uh, yeah. more recent years, that's, that's been the, that's been the uh, kind of the secret sauce is these, ways to get more out of consoles you know like we, we got the part where we can hook them up to tvs now mm -hmm. uh kind of going back to the n64 when i when i plug that in composite through my um, tv's built-in scaler you know and and of course you would right that that's what you would do that's what anyone would do that grabs their 64 out of their closet and wants to show their kids right yeah <clears throat> uh, but now, now we've solved for that. We, the community, have solved for that. So it's it's just awesome that um, that and so many other things are coming out these days. Isn't it crazy, by the way, that the number one reason that people plug anything into those ports is old video games? Far more, you could say VCRs. That could that could be a big chunk for people that just wanted to still have some of their own stuff. But even DVDs, 
Like everything plays a DVD. No one's going to take an old composite right. video DVD player. And yet the TV manufacturers put zero effort into reducing the lag or the processing or the compatibility for video games. It's mind blowing to me. It, it would just, it would just be better if they just, and most of them are just don't include it anymore. Just, just yeah. don't. Don't include it or spend a little bit of money to just do, yeah. do the basics. And, uh, you know, I think at first it was the stigma of no one cares about video games. That's certainly what it was in the early 2000s, guaranteed, because I was at CES. I was at all these places talking to these companies, and I had a couple of people legitimately laugh in my face when I brought up video game stuff. And then the last time I went to a trade show in 2019 that was, was like a broadcast trade show, every single booth was boasting about some video game streaming related thing to try to sell their products. And it's like, I told you assholes 10 years ago, you could have been at the forefront. And so, yeah, I, I just, I don't get it, but I don't know what it is now. I don't know if it's, they don't want to support it or if it's the, um, like the certain associations that are just trying to push the newer stuff and make every, you know, try to force everybody to upgrade, which you would think it's a little conspiracy theory esque, but, um, there's a let's just say there's some proof floating around that says it's a plausible that's a plausible scenario but but yeah any anyway back to your point about like you know you're not going to sit there and and learn how to use eagle and design a board i mean that's one of the things i always try to stress to everybody is do what you enjoy and what you're best at mm -hmm. so it's you know one of those yeah. things where you're really good at, at networking and meeting people so why would you spend all of your time dropping what you're doing to try to learn how to design boards when you have 10 friends that do an excellent job at all of that stuff. So it totally makes sense. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's, I mean, that's exactly, I, I would love to do that. Um, you know, I, I mean, I have a lot of the tools at on hand where I could sit down and learn to do it. And it's, it's like one of those things that I want to do someday, you know? Um, but right now, like when I'm, when I have good productive hours during the day, I'm not, I'm not spending it on that. Um, you know, only because I, I really, I need to spend it on ways to improve what I'm actually doing. You know, um, the websites are just, um, they're constant, like there are constantly things you need to be doing to improve, um, everything, uh, about the website, but also about the business. And there's just so much that goes on, um, it starts out when, when you're on eBay and, and it's a hobby, you know, it starts out with just buy a thing, sell a thing, ship a thing, you know, and uh, at some point in, and there's no clear line, it, it becomes super complicated. I, I guess the, the initial um, point would be when you actually form it as a business, because um, now all of a sudden you've got, you've got to think about sales taxes and um all kinds of just stuff that goes along with this is an actual business yeah uh, people just wouldn't even think about um sales taxes is one of those big things because uh, that's a something huge that thing that is a giant yeah. huge thing and i don't mean to be disrespectful at all but it's just a plain emotionless fact that if you've never gone down this road you would have no clue what we're talking about not because you're not as smart as us just because it's one of yeah. those things where unless you've done it why would you know any of these things but any of the stuff involved in a small business you know it's it's when people start selling their products, their homemade stuff that they've designed themselves and they had a couple of PCBs made, 
I always stress to them that they get the price right. And if they're going back and forth yeah. between 45 and 50, say 50, because you won't know for a month or two how much you've actually had to spend on this shipping returns. I mean, how many times does something yeah. get lost in shipping? That's not anybody's fault, but you have to pay for that. And at the end of the day, if you decide, no, I really got it right, I could drop the price. Now you're a hero for, for putting up a sale and dropping the price. But I think most people, when they get started, ended up losing a ton of money because they just didn't yeah. see any of these hidden expenses coming. And even things like, you know, to get a decent uh, label printer is 200 bucks, And you, you buy the, yeah. you know, the clone $70 one. And next thing you know, you wasted half a day trying to get... I'm looking over there because that's exactly what I did a couple months ago. I bought a clone figure and like, how often do I print labels? And I wasted half a day trying to get it to work. Ha ended up returning it. Lost all of that time yeah. and ended up buying the stupid $200 printer anyway. So it's like, you know, you would never expect that just to print a label, you would have lost 200 bucks and half a day of your time just to get started. Yeah, no, like ugh, the early, early days, um, probably back when it was simply an eBay store, I used to use those. Um, it's like two labels on one sheet of paper. Mm. Um, and it was letter, you know, regular paper. Um, but it's funny because that's one of those things you just, could easily take for granted getting one of those zebra label printers. Um, I mean, if I had to, if I didn't, that, that is a key piece of equipment. I actually have a spare yeah. in a box just in case, because if that ever broke for any reason, um, I, that would effectively shut me down, you know, until I got a new one. I mean, I, I make it work. I would, print labels on anything paper if i had to and, and do it but that i mean uh that that is something that could uh really hamper like productivity yeah. you know it's just something that um you know you don't have time for cutting folding taping all the stuff you just print a sticker and go um but yeah i was just gonna say on on the the taxes thing um it's that is is one of those things that is super complicated. Um, and I always say to say, like, it, it, it is always changing. That's, and that's what I was talking about. Like, you have to monitor um, how many transactions you do in a state because at some point you'll do enough either dollars or just unique transactions to where now you have to collect tax for that state. And you have to monitor that because if you cross that threshold, and you don't collect taxes uh, just because you got busy, for example, you still owe those taxes, whether you collected them or not. And then uh, just one other thing is, and, and this all comes down to we're buying more stuff online. Mm -hmm. So local governments are, and even state governments are going, man, the revenues we used to get from sales taxes are diving because everyone's buying the stuff online. There was a class action lawsuit against uh, Wayfair. It was like South Dakota versus Wayfair or something like that, where they they won. And ever since then, that was in like 2017 or something like that. All of these new laws go into effect where it used to be you only had to collect where you lived or where you operated out of, if you had a physical presence there. Well, now something that happened last year, and this was a pretty big deal, is um, for all of our international friends, 
they know this well, if you're in the EU, they rolled out the same thing. So, um, you know, I had a lot of stores um, that we work with, like just partners, you know, like mm-hmm. Laser Bear, for example, and like talking to some of the other, the, I don't want to name everybody, but like friends, you know, uh, I guess kind of competitors, but really more friends and partners. Yeah. Um, we were all talking about like, hey, man, how are you going to handle this? How are you going to handle this? Um, and what it what it boiled down to for me was uh, we ship a lot of international enough that I needed to figure this out, you know, because this isn't um, this is a big deal. And the thing that I learned with international is, is it's better to figure out how to charge the customer all of their taxes in the sale. Mm-hmm. Um, this is even before the changes I'm talking about like customs and duties and all that kind of stuff so that you can have that stuff build back to you. And it just delivers to them like a normal package. Um, because the biggest challenge with international is they, I mean, just think about this, like it's you, right? You get a tag on your door that says, Hey, you got a box at the post office, post office, maybe five minutes down the road. It may be an hour. Or more. Mm. Um, and it says, basically, you've got to come pay customs or duties or whatever to come pick it up. So we were just getting a lot of just, hey, you know what? I changed my mind or that's too much of a hassle. Just I'll just let it time out and get sent back. So changing it to duty paid everywhere we can um, was a big deal because um, now all of a sudden it just delivers just like any other thing. And then when they rolled out this change in the EU... Um, where you had to be like basically collect sales tax mm-hmm. on top of custom, which are two totally different things. People don't understand. Uh, we had to set up, long story short, I am registered in Ireland and I have to pay taxes in 16 countries, <laughs> well, plus the US, so 17 countries and 30 something states. It's a huge deal, you know. It's insane. So, and I always say all that to say I could waste more time on this. It's not important. Um, there's a lot more than just putting up a website, buy a product, sell a product, ship a product. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work. Yeah, that's for damn sure. Um, there's a, a big trust yeah. issue too because you know uh, I hate to generalize. I'm sure I'm going to eat shit for this, but you know most nerds spend their entire day looking for problems, right? So mm-hmm. you know. Whatever it is that you do, you build something. Okay, how how can I make sure it's robust? How is it going to fail? So you're just always looking for where things could go wrong and stuff like this. So when you start partnering with people, you immediately kind of get that same... I guess maybe if you're only into ones and zeros, you don't. But if you deal with people and tech, you immediately get that crossover of like, what could go wrong here? What's anything out? You know, what's going on? What's happening? And it's you need to partner with people that you don't get that feeling from. And it's it's a really right. hard balance because you could do um, you could do that fake used car salesman morning radio thing that some of our uh, some of our colleagues that I think you know are referring to go or they talking that voice and what's up man and it's no fuck off don't say another word to me whatever you're saying is a lie even if it isn't I don't care I don't want to talk to you and you have to strike that balance between like being personable enough to get through to somebody without being fake even if you are genuine. So it's really hard mm-hmm. to be able to to figure all of this stuff out, put it together, and and then on top of that, 
you also have to be a business nerd going through all the taxes and all yeah. the sales and everything else. So I think, uh, well, I think you do that. I, I think you do that really well, at least behind the scenes, certainly talking with the other creators and stuff. Yeah. Well, and, and that's what I mean. And that's what I went on that whole diatribe. That's probably not super interesting to a lot of people is to say like, what, what's awesome about this and really like why I've, have a uh, a game store it's like you could do anything ultimately i'm i'm getting product in i'm shipping product i'm supporting product i'm selling shit you know what i mean it's like it could be anything but what makes uh operating a game store aside from the fact that you have a an actual interest in the product you know like mm-hmm. and a passion is like the community aspect of it i love learning about all this new stuff you know um i mean i don't know everything uh, about you know the best ways to do everything um, and it's always changing um, so I love doing that but what what's cool about that community aspect and I think uniquely uh, in a lot of ways in our specific hobby is the way we all kind of come together and go like back to this thing like <laughs> there's zero chance of me um, designing a PCB <laughs> but I know how to do all this other stuff to get it actually into people's hands. You know, um, that's more than just 10. Anyone can make like 10 of something and sell it on, on a, like an Etsy store or yeah. um, Tindy or whatever. But, but when you really want to get like your product out there and, um, and have the community take notice of it, you need to like scale things up. Right. And, and as you do that, things get complicated. So I feel like what, what I have to offer is that, you know, like I know how to, to do all these things, uh, it's worked nicely with, with, uh, for example, Rama, you know, hmm. he doesn't want to do all that stuff. He doesn't want to figure out how to, you know, and he's not, um, he's in, he's in the, um, EU, right. Mm-hmm. So, um, the U S is a good place to ship from, like, I think in a lot of ways, um, uh, but, but it's not even that it's just like the whole all of this, like running a business is, is complicated. And so, yeah, so that's what I try to offer to the community. It is that, that portal to, um, like when I first was getting into a lot of this hobbies, I just didn't even know where to go to get a lot of this stuff, mm. um, that I would hear about. And cause it was so patchworked where things were available and if, and when they were available, or is that an old thing? And you know what I mean? So I'm trying to um, to make sure that I'm like providing these options as best I can in a more centralized way, where uh, people forget that uh, there are people like us that like we're in this every day, mm. paying attention. We know all of this stuff, and then there's a lot of people who are interested, but they have full-time jobs and they've got families and they've only got a couple of hours a week that they can do their hobby, you know? And so they're diving in, diving out and they didn't know. I, I mean, I, I get messages all the time where I'll tell somebody about something that's been out for three years and it's blowing their mind because they're just now hearing about it. Right. Hmm. So when all of this tech and all these solutions are just scattered, it, it's hard for the average person who's not, doing this every day like you and I are to even know uh, about the solutions and, and like where to get them. And um, unfortunately with COVID, the way things have been with uh, production side stuff where it's like, 
Oh, I wish yeah. stuff was more in stock, you know, because I, I, you know, we do a lot of like pre-orders and things like that. Um, and, and, and in some aspects, they're necessary. And in some aspects, it's just a timing thing. It used to be more of a timing thing between productions, you know, and you would try to build more uh, to, to shorten or eliminate that. But now it's just a like, hey, we've, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, it's just so spotty. It's like, hey, we've got this amount coming in. This, this is what it is. We're, we're trying to get more. Um, That's a nightmare it, for absolutely everyone, though, because, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. a fan above all. So I can very easily put myself in the position of somebody who watched a video. I start the video with a skeptical eye like I always do. Like, let's see who this fat fuck Bob is going to talk about. Let's see if, you know, it's bullshit. I get to the end of the video and I go, oh, that's actually legit. You know, let me pre-order one of these. And you pre-order with the expectation of it's all, you know, hobbyist, low quantity stuff. So low quantity compared to like 100,000 at a clip or million at a clip iPhones or something. So it's like, all right, it says pre-orders three to six months. So it probably means like seven or eight. That's cool. And then you don't get it. And then you're pissed. And then what do you do now? Do you get your money back? There's no alternatives. Or, you know, how come How come there's another delay? Where's my update? And I see that from the side yeah. of a fan. But I also have the, the unfortunate luxury of seeing the behind the scenes of, you know, a friend of mine does something that nobody else on the planet's done. And you say, hey... Uh, or I, I contact you and say, is this something you're interested in making? And you say, yeah, I'd love to. Let me talk to all these people and everything's set and all the all the pieces are set and it's yeah there's a part shortage but we have this amount here and waiting for us and then you open these pre-orders and two weeks later the company that said your stock is right here ready to get assembled goes yeah we fucked up we don't have any in stock uh we'll try to get you some more right and then so it's like all right well we don't put an email announcement out because it's like, well, we got to wait for that company. And then it comes back. The manufacturer has you pushed in line. And then you find out like a, I don't know, a VGA cable, something that you've been able to get since the dawn of time is out of stock. I'm, I'm making that part up, by the way. But something as dumb as that, right? And then you blink well, an eye and three months have gone by and there's no stock of anything. Nothing's being made. The prices have gone up. And it's just like, what the hell just happened? Everybody did everything right everybody i did you did the customer did the designer Mm -hmm. did and heck maybe even the manufacturers did and they just you know something else happened but yeah it's it's been a whirlwind of a couple years with that shit yeah it's it's been um i mean it's just changed the the process um you you mentioned the vga uh cable but like in reality one of the things that we had this long gap in between runs on the hd 15 to start Hmm. and it was because we can get like simple things like a vga connector i would have never guessed in a million years never guessed that that would have gone out of stock so that's just a good example of um how things have changed like a year or two ago and hopefully we're getting to the other side of this i mean i don't know like we'll see um but you know, I would hope to see, um, we just got out of Chinese New Year. And uh, for for lack of a better word, that's where like everyone in China takes a week off, but it causes two months of disruption for everything. Because um, it, I'll, I'll dive into that briefly. But basically what it is, is basically people take off a week and they go home and they may not come back. 
they may go, I'm not coming back to that factory job. I've got this other offer to go somewhere else, or I've got this other thing, or I've got this whatever. And so the people who are making, so tip, if you're making stuff overseas and it happens to fall in that they're going to be making it in March or late February, have for sure always try to get samples sent to you. Um, but even if it's a mature product where you're like, um, you've ordered this several times before and this is just another batch, if it's shipping in late February and March, have them send you 10 first uh, to make sure that the new crew that's doing them is doing them right. Yeah. That, so that's another thing, like um, just as an aside that I've just learned along the way. Um, I used to fly out to China in late February for that and, and go to the Shenzhen manufacturing and just kind of hang out for a day or two and, you know, get all the training yeah. up. And, and you know, there it's it's so easy too to like i know this is such a bullshit hippie-esque thing to say but like it's so easy to just picture china manufacturing and you just see like in your head like robots and pick and place machines and you go hang out and yeah. it's just a bunch of awesome people hanging out trying their best to do their job it's just people no doubt yeah. just you and me yeah, people no. and i used to always go totally. and just kind of hang out and you know, they, they were they at first they were always suspicious, like, why is the loud fat guy here at all? He's not supposed to be here. And, you know, I'd pop in, I'd say thank you, I'd always be pleasant. And, you know, by the end of the time I realized like, okay, everybody got it right, the QA person's trained, we're good to go, but I'm glad I was here because if that one mistake happened, we would have just sent out five thousand something with the yeah. cable backwards or some you know, something like that. Yeah. Per particularly important this time of year. Mm. Um you know, like once once we get past um, this point in time, like, uh, in this, in the year, like once we're into like late spring, summer, things are rolling, you know, and it'll be good until, um, basically, well, until Chinese new year again, which would be in February. But, um, anyway, like the point was, as I was going to say, is it used to be that you would do a pre-order for a different reason than you are today. Like a lot of times I would run a pre-order and I'd say, okay, we're going to order, you know, 300 of these and I'd order them and I'd start the pre-order and all of a sudden I'd see, oh my gosh, that's not enough. Right. And so you could immediately tag onto that and usually get them to ship together another, whatever, mm -hmm. uh, quantity 200 or whatever. And so it was a way of dealing with demand. Now it's the exact problem you just described where everyone did everything right except for they they didn't because like uh some factory tells you hey i don't have these or i can't get those so what you need to do is you, you actually have to pre-purchase everything and now you're taking your best guess at how many to build and you put out a bunch of money right mm -hmm. so you're like okay well this is all purchased we're building this quantity even if i only sell 10 because <laughs> it's going and so you have to now start to try to to get sales to stack up against that so you can keep going and build another cool thing, you know, the next time. That sucks so, it's so much. So it's kind of weird where it's like, it's this weird, um, and it's affected everyone I talk to, where um, we're having the, it's gotten to the point that um, you have these like uh, component cabinets that are like humidity controlled and whatnot. So you could store components, something that I would have done right like why why on earth would you I, i've never had to do that uh because your components don't sit on your shelves that long so they're in yeah. and out you don't and have to worry so these cabinets are now out of stock everywhere because everyone's hoarding stuff 
So it's just, it's changed. It's affected. There, there's a lot of cool stuff that I, that I know, you know, um, and some stuff you don't know that should have came out last year mm. and it just didn't, it just got parked on the sideline, you know? Yeah. Um, so what's cool though. And, and what I was talking about, like, hopefully this spring, I, I don't think we're going to see, like, I haven't seen any signs that all of a sudden stuff's going to be plentiful again yet. I've seen some things come in and I've seen a lot of things get redesigned to use what is available, but I haven't seen like traditional stock come back, Mm. but I'm hoping that like everyone's coming back now from Chinese New Year and they have been for the last week and whatnot. Uh, Maybe over the next few months, we'll start to see that. Then we'll know. But yeah, with the FPGA shortage that I've been here in 2023 at the earliest for you to be able to just buy one normally, you know, there's probably going to be, runs of production of you know the normal hundred thousand a clip but that gets divvied to some here some there some direct to you know to the companies that use them so to us the consumer they trickle out in you know a hundred or a thousand max so they all sell out in a day i think um there was a u.s distributor of raspberry pi fours that sold 600 in like 20 minutes the other day or something like that you know it's just yeah i i actually do have um spares of I, I keep meaning to because I see mention it in the uh, in the weeklies or, or somewhere where you're talking about it. But I do actually have some spares uh, of those mm. if you need for anything. So just hit me up. But because um, I know I have an extra zero and an extra at least one extra five four. Yeah, but, I um, just I paid scalper prices like an ass. I just I had to yeah. if I wanted to get the, the you know documentation done and the testing done, I had to just fork over. Yeah. So. There's no other way to, to, to get around that, unfortunately. But yeah, it, it's yeah. kind of nuts to see. I, I too subscribe to the two is one, one is none uh, that you talked about. <laughs> uh, it was in some, some video uh, recently. Yeah, the tour interview, I believe. Exactly. So yeah. Yeah. I, actually, um, I believe his name is Tora, but I can't really say that right. So I, he just agreed yeah. that it was like, you could just say Tor. I'm like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, part shortage aside, you're still getting stuff out, and it seems like uh, I yeah. just got Wily Wars, Beveled Edge, properly built, so it's really nice to see. Um, it's nice to see those come through. Is that, so mm-hmm. is that QA that you're you're doing on your side, or is that something that you're doing with Retrobit as these are made? Because it's getting to the point where if a cartridge comes through you, I just don't even worry about it being built right anymore, whereas... You know, and actually, that's something I want to circle back to is you, you talked about at the beginning is when you approached Retrobit for this idea. I, can you just imagine in hindsight now with all of the knowledge you have today, if you had just decided to approach a different company about this and and mm-hmm. didn't approach it from a quality perspective and you had flooded the market with a bunch of wrong voltage square garbage and instead you did the opposite, right? You worked with a company that at least appears to give a shit about this. Maybe they just don't want to have to deal with the bad PR. Yeah. That's also fine. That's also fine. Bottom line is we get the cartridges that actually work right. So uh, is yeah, that no, your side, um, their side, both? Yeah, no, Retrofit is, um, I mean, all the people I work with there, they're just people like you and I. Like, I mean, they, they're they actually in the hobby the same as we are Um they they seem to, i mean i know that because i've known them for years now they're just as genuine and want the best as as anyone else does um they do cater to different markets hmm. you know so like um 
they have um, like they have stores like mine where I'm I'm a little more picky where it's like um, like I, I want you know it's like you've got to have um, entry point products yeah and you've got to have like what you'd actually recommend stuff um, but I I try to like not have um, filler stuff or, or stuff like that. Whereas they, they too, they have clients, mom and pop stores and things like that, that um, they just need like essentials and things like that, where they feel like they need them. Um, and so they have different markets that they cater to. Uh, but the real passion comes in on stuff like this, like the, the retro bit publishing stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, I knew, like you're saying, I knew I, I didn't know everything I know now at the time, but I knew enough that you had to do it right. Um, and I knew, um, I, or I was getting to know around that time, uh, you know, people like yourself, but also Renee. And so I introduced them to Renee and they've been working on this stuff ever since, um, getting it right. So yeah. Um, I think there was, uh, initially there's like, um, there was like, you know, there's like the, the people who make and publish games that are just um, on poor quality PCBs that are just like flashed onto it and, you know, square edged and, and all that kind of a thing. And I think there's like this idea by some people that the market wouldn't bear uh, like doing something quality and, and retrobit, I think, has just clearly shown the other publishers out there that, yeah, it will. <laughs> um I, I did get a um, shipment of games because I wanted to support uh, all of this independent, pub- like small publishing, if you will. Um, it's kind of like supporting like indie labels, right? Mm. Uh, I wanted to do that. And I did buy games from another publisher that I just flat returned. And I had to pay a huge restock fee on and all that stuff. Um, and, you know, this is... Uh, company where like they um i don't know how they're doing things now i can't speak to it um but at least several years ago they were all just um it it just wasn't up to snuff uh everything from the pcb which is the important part but even the like superficial stuff like the way the boxes were done the way the labels were adhered to the cartridge just all that presentation stuff was all lacking um and you know, I just yeah, I just returned it and I said, "Here's here's my suggestions. Let me know when and if things change." Because uh, I think what happened, I, I don't know enough about the history of the third party retro gaming marketplace. Like for example, how it was in the early two thousands and in before my time. But I think a lot of it is just private labeling, and that's what a lot of companies kind of built their business on, where they had like. Because you can go to CES. I mean, you've been there. Did you ever walk the gaming hall? Like the actual? Yeah. I, so I, I would. I would used to have to present there. So I would be there for yeah. six or seven days, depending. I would be on booth, but I'd also wander. And I'd see all the flashy stuff. That's where I got to see OLED, SED yeah. TVs. If anybody even knows what that is, you know how cool it was. I got to see it in person. But I would spend a lot of time as well in like the back hall, where it's just all the the yeah. Far East vendors, and I met so many people there, and we got a lot of products from people who, it was kind of actually funny what I do now, where people who have a great product, but they just don't know what to do with it. And I'd walk around and be like, we could use that in our computers. And oh, by the way, 
you know, yeah. you should talk to them because they would need 10 times as many as we would. So th- those were always my favorites, but sorry, continue. Yeah. Um, well, the CES is just for anyone that hasn't been there. Um, it's, it's like the entire downtown corridor of Vegas. It's multiple hotels. It's multiple, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, like, a hall like the escapes me now but like presentation halls you know it's multiples of them and uh, you have to take buses to go from one to the other so there's like a whole huge like stadium sized place that's just 3d printing and then you take a bus and you you've got like a whole stadium sized place that's all just indoor lighting and like home automation stuff and so on and so forth and then there's like home electronics right which has everything you're talking about, which has like TVs and um, drones and stuff like that has been the last several years. And then like a subsection of that is the gaming hall area. And um, so it's not huge, but it's like the size of a neighborhood block, like a regular neighborhood or something like that. And uh, it's just booth after booth after booth of people who are making their own third-party um, Nintendo Switch controllers, or PS4 controllers, PS5 controllers, Xbox controllers, this type of cable, that type of cable. And all of them want to just take your brand logo, print it on a box, stuff that same thing in it, and ship it out. And so I think the early days of like um, the third-party like gaming scene, when people were trying to figure out like replacements for, you know, um, like the NES on a chip clone console and stuff like that. Right. It's probably just born out of that. Probably anybody could have went to CES in 2003 and said, this is the retro RGB clone console, you mm-hmm. know, and had had them made, you know. So I think that's where a lot of these companies, I'm just guessing, by the way, I haven't really talked to anyone about this. But no, that's about spot on. Yeah, with, uh, with yeah, all the behind and, the scenes and, stuff, definitely. Yeah, I could, I could yeah, absolutely I vouch think- for that. Yeah, so I think some companies are still stuck in that mode where that's what they do. Like their product is dictated by what is being developed overseas and they can put well, their name on. There's and some companies two, are going two types of uh, companies that fall into this, though. There's the company yeah. that essentially makes anything, and it just so happens yeah. that gaming fall, fell in front of them, but they just it doesn't really matter. It's a commodity. And, you know, if they find out that something they're selling is bad, they'll either, it's just like anything else. They either dump it, they they sell it under a different brand name, like whatever, they don't care. And then there's companies that are there specifically because they want to exploit the gaming market. I use the word exploit, but it could be good or bad. It doesn't, there's no emotion to that. But the cartridge ones specifically, I was a part of two different conversations with two different companies that came right out and said, nobody gives a shit about beveled edges. The safety thing's a lie. It uh, doesn't matter. Just send them out. And it, uh, same thing with like, no one cares if the labels are misspelled. No one cares if it's, and it just, it's like ev- everybody cares. You're just here to exploit your thing yeah. because you know the market, the video game market well. So that, you know... I don't like either of those, but it's totally different when you have, and I'll, I'll call them out because I seem to have an open enough relationship with them, but uh, Hyperkin 
is walking the line between somebody that could do anything, but they just choose to do gaming, and they occasionally put some real passion into stuff, but, like, a lot of stuff they do is just commodity items that they don't really care about, but there's never an intent yeah. to screw people over. Hyperkin doesn't wake up in the morning and says, hmm, how can I steal money from people? Like, whereas I do feel like at least the two companies I'm thinking of absolutely are like oh you made a retro game with a really nice label that means collectors will want to buy it let's make it as cheap as possible spend the money on marketing instead and you know and that's gross to me that does offend me because yeah. and that would offend me no matter no, what it is you're talking about video games you know rims for your car it doesn't fucking matter it's still you're just intentionally screwing people over and that is yeah absolutely the difference yeah no i i wholeheartedly agree with that and, and that's and that's what I was um, kind of trying to to explain is, is I think there are some companies that just do that. They literally go well in the last couple of years they can't. So <laughs> um, you get I get these emails all the time from these companies that that want me to do this stuff. So it's you don't even really need to go like once you're kind of like in the network you 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 can just do this remotely. But it's of course good to do things I think in person. But but anyway, um, yeah, there's companies that they're literally just private labelers. And you said, like, gaming just happens to be the thing that fell in front of them. I always wondered, too. I'm like, how did that happen? Like, because there's you can tell when somebody's just producing something to ship to an Amazon fulfillment center. It's always and the most mundane story. Every single time I've asked, yeah. it's always yeah. the most useless, boring story. Well, my cousin used to work for a company that made controllers, so he knows controllers, and I know plastic molds, so now we make controllers. It's like, there's there's never... Yeah. And it's not a bad story, it's just a mundane story. Yeah. But, you know, you get you get other companies, too. Like, and I... And I so, going back to several years ago, like, before... Um, before we started taking control, and when I say we, I mean like the people in the community. Mm. Um, there are a lot of people who are publishing their own games now that are doing beveled edges, that are using hard gold contacts, and they're paying attention to um, voltage and figuring out how to regulate that or deal, deal with that so that it's done properly. Um, and it's just become like a thing where it's like, if you're not going to build this right, we're just going to build it ourselves, you know? Um, I think is what a lot of people are doing. Um, you know, I've seen that a lot in like the master system circles mm. and things like that, where people are, um, just kind of self-publishing their own things and whatnot. Um, but it used to be that the company you're talking about where it's like, people don't care about this. People don't care about that. They were just getting away with it mm. because it was the only source for a new game you know and now they're not and i think people are being put on notice and and you know the other type of company is the person that goes to a place like ces and they may find like somebody who's good at making controllers but they don't want to just put their name on a whatever and they'll they'll work with their engineers to tweak it and change things hmm. you know to make it more ergonomic and more correct and um so they're, you know, just using that as an example. I think there are a lot of like opportunity to, to these people will just happily just put your label on something, but they'll just as happily work with you to make your own version of it too. A lot yeah. of times, some some will, some won't. 
Um, and it's just kind of like navigating and finding those partnerships. And, but they will you know, also like, uh, ship it the way you tell them to, because there was a very notorious story about one of those. Uh, I'm going to be very careful of my words here because I don't want to throw somebody under the bus by accident. But one of those absolute piece of shit garbage console to HDMI cables where they went to one of these companies yeah. and the company said, uh, that's not for gaming. You know, it's not going to work, right? I mean, this is, you know, the big evil Chinese manufacturer. You know, obviously I'm saying that facetiously, but, yeah. you know, the company themselves was like, this this doesn't, this isn't designed for what you're going to do. And the notorious company said, if I plug this into a Super Nintendo, am I going to get a signal on that TV? And they said, well, I mean, yeah. And they said, so make them right now. That's what we're paying for. And that is why yeah. the market got flooded with those garbage adapters. Yeah. It was one person. <laughs> It was actually one person that yeah, made that decision. Yeah. Yeah. It was one person. I don't think that person's around anymore. Um, and it's kind of like what you're saying, I, you know, or maybe they are. I don't know. Um, but I, I believe they are. That is an example of something just fell in front of them or they knew somebody that had a way. And, and you know, you can, like you said, exploit the market in a positive way where you, you go, you know what? Like, it's not just me. There are a lot of us around here that want this solution. Let's work together and make something happen. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a good, um, or you can do what you just said, which is, does it get a signal done, which is effectively just your, um, TVs back to the beginning of this conversation, your TVs built in scalar, uh, which wasn't designed even worse, really, which wasn't designed for handling gaming. Um, yeah. in the first place it's got frame buffering and it's got uh, which just means lag in short um, and it's you know got oversaturated colors and things like that because it's not really designed and, and that too is i think um, to answer at least or uh, kind of ponder on your question of like why don't tv companies um, i think they're looking at all these different signal types and going no, <laughs> like 240p in particular, just going, nope, because, uh, you know, like not to get off onto too much of a tangent, 240p is not really a signal. It's mm. not really like a standard there. This is before um, the time of, of standards. I, I, a good example, um, I was just watching um, CGQ plus video mm -hmm. where he was talking about um he was talking about his top Konami games of uh, the NES and uh, Chris was showing um, like a track and field. Right. Mm -hmm. And it had the actual music from the Olympics in it. Totally not licensed, but this was a different time. And that's the way he said it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it was a different time for everything. Like we yeah. just, we just, everything was different. Um, that's why like power supplies are, are, um, like the thing with like power supplies, um, the, you know, like we have those triads now. Mm -hmm. And the reason why, like some of them say, like I was talking to Steve about this the other day, um, a couple weeks ago. And there was like some that said like nine volts or 10 volts. And, and, you know, before I add anything, I always like make sure Steve signs off on it, you know, kind of thing. And he's like, well, he's like, that system is actually designed this way, but they use that power supply because the target for nine volt today is like this big mm -hmm. but 
back then it was like this big yeah. anywhere in this range is nine volts you know and so i feel like that's that's just oversimplification right uh, but they had tolerances they had ranges same with 240p it's like anything between here and here is 240p whereas nowadays like 720p is this you know mm. to make it like uh, a better example so it's 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 what is challenging about interfacing with and working with legacy hardware like we do and like why there's so many people that are so much smarter than me working on all this kind of stuff to make sure it all works correctly. Um, people like T people like, uh, Renee, Steve, all, all these guys, you know, yeah. and, 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 uh, people in general, you know, well, wasn't that people. one of your main goals of the Rondo products spinoff was that you could take these things that people smarter than us have done the research and showed the work, not just saying, trust me, I'm right. Yeah. Like they, they've presented everything so that you could make these products that you know are safe because mm -hmm. the people that are experts in them are the ones that either, you know, dug real deep into them or actually designed them themselves. Yeah. Well, so let me like touch back real quick on something else I talked about earlier, which is there are a lot of, um, kind of a couple points we've made there there's this idea that the market won't bear a certain type of product so you have to make the cheap thing mm. right and there are markets that aren't mine mine can be super specific and niche because it's an online you, you came to it my site on purpose mm -hmm. for a thing right but if you have a, a local game shop you just go in and you go hey um i pulled out my genesis because I just got Wiley Wars, right? And I don't have, or, or just because of whatever reason, right? And I don't have a power supply. And they reach back and they grab that yellow box that has three, um, it splits off into three, and that way it can power your Genesis Model 1, Model 2, or your NES or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And you plug that thing in, and then uh, you realize that thing is super hot, <laughs> I'm worried about it catching my house on fire, number one. And then um, also you're noticing this like weird ripple or pixelization on the screen. And you're, you know, you don't realize that it's not the video cable. It's the power supply, right? Mm. So like a lot of these stores feel like they need to carry these kind of things. And it's because A, that's the only option. If you go to any of the wholesalers that deal in this, this marketplace, nobody's thought like, hey, let's. Let's get really good power supplies taken care of. Nobody's thought about that. Um, nobody probably even realizes that it's causing video noise on your TV. So you like went through all this effort to get like, for example, an HD retrovision cable, right? Great video, but what's this weird pixelization? And this is why like Steve is helping me, I think with some of this stuff is because it solves a problem for him too. Mm. And uh, so I think part of it is just that like, these stores just that's all they have access to and it's also what they think they need to sell and so what i wanted to do was i was like well you know i've got all all these solutions for things um that i sell uh, but you know how i like mentioned earlier like there's a lot of people who they're just too busy to watch youtube 
or even really know about half of the stuff we're talking about or more. Or know that they would uh, even they need just, to watch a video on this at all. Like, why wouldn't yeah. they be able to just plug something yeah. in and work? Right? So they're just like totally disconnected. So they just go into their um, local store and they grab whatever their local store happens to have. Right. And um, of course, that's the solution they're going to offer. They're a store. That's what they're going to sell. So I was just thinking, I'm like, man, we need to get more of this like niche, um, the actual good version of type of products that I'm selling into some of these stores because, you know, it's kind of like the whole rising waters lift all boats. Like, yeah, I'm kind of like competing with myself if I supply my competitors, you know, with the thing that's differentiating me. But the way I look at it is like those customers weren't really my customers anyway. They're just walking into their store in, you know, North Dakota somewhere, grabbing a power supply. But what would be cool is if that store had triad power supplies with the appropriate adapters. You know? Right. And then they went like, ideally, like stop buying those cheap ones that are going to catch your house on fire in theory, possibly. <laughs> um and uh, they're at least super hot, uncomfortably hot to touch. If you have your, we'll say that, okay. Um, but they're they're garbage nonetheless. I'll I'll say that. Um, if we could get rid of those and start using these, that's better for everybody, you know. And so, with and if Rondo all these product, other junk stuff disappear and yeah, everybody's buying the good stuff, the prices will naturally drop for the good stuff anyway. So everybody kind of yeah. wins. Yeah. So. Um, you know, it's funny. Um, so, so yeah, like on, on this product, um, or these products, like a lot of them, it's, it's sort of like this, this game conversation we just had. We used to put up with square edges that had, um, Enig or, um, worse, mm -hmm. you know, um, hassle, you know, uh, plating, um, uh, you know, because that's all we had. Right. And now we've got like people, putting out good now all of a sudden it's not weird it used to be just bob was barking about <laughs> deviled edges and gold contacts <laughs> now anyone announces a game and you can just see the comments you know uh everyone's aware of and expects and is demanding rightly so that you build this thing correctly like if you're going to charge me 60 bucks you know um yeah, I mean, that's that for the record happy, has but... been a, a brutal battle over the years. Because every single yeah. time I say that, the companies and all of the shills come out and say, Bob's an elitist gatekeeper who just tells everybody yes. to spend thousands, or Bob's just jealous because I have more followers than he does. And, you know, he's just pissed because he didn't get a free one and I did. No. This is ones and zeros. This is nerd talk. This is measurable. This yeah. isn't an opinion. And it's just been, yeah. you know, the easiest thing in the world is to be wrong. Hey, I fucked up. Well, Here's what I did. Here's why I did it. Here's how I'm not going to do it again. That's the easiest thing. Being right in a room full of people that are all pointing their finger at you, telling you're wrong is impossibly hard. And I hate it. And I, I wish I didn't have yeah. to take one for the team all the time, but... I got to, because what else are we going to do? Just use those four or five frames of lag HDMI cables and set your house on fire with a $2 right. power supply. So Th that one's still a struggle. That specific example with the, with the cheap HDMI cables. Um, and, and one, I kind of get to a point, but I think the um, tide is turning, you know, on this whole, yeah, whole thing, like where it used to be, if you talked about 
um, quality control and cartridges, you were, you were an elitist gatekeeper. But I think the community is becoming a community then of elitist gatekeepers because we're all kind of demanding that now. But um, is it elitist to the... want to buy something that isn't a giant piece of shit? You're not asking yeah, no, for it's... a gold-plated 24-carat, you know, diamond-encrusted. It's just, I want to have a glass of water that doesn't taste like somebody pissed in it. Is that an elitist gatekeeper, or is that yeah. just somebody asking for their money's worth? Well, yeah, and, and the thing is, is it's not that we don't have relatively affordable options, right? Hmm. Like, for example... Um, you know, like I recommend, um, first of all, I recommend stuff I don't sell all the time. Um, for example, um, like if somebody comes to me and they're, they're just simply hooking up their, um, their NES, you know, or their, something like that where it's composite only, you know, I'll recommend the 2X Mini all day long. Hmm. You know, I'm not going to tell them to go buy the 5X. I'll make them aware of the 2X Pro and the 5X and say, hey, if you think you're going in the direction of hooking up multiple consoles, multiple different, you know, this is something that might naturally lead to that direction, but you don't need to start there. If you're just getting, like, you just dragged this thing out of your closet, you're just getting started. 2X Mini um, is great. The 2X Pro is great. Um, now, I know the 2X Mini is, like, $70 item, and... Um, some of these HDMI kibbles are 30 bucks, but it's like, if you buy a HDMI cable that adds four frames of variable lag and it's oversaturating all the reds and doing all this kind of stuff, and you throw that away and buy the 2X Mini, now that 2X Mini costs $100. Agreed 100%. You know? Yeah. So I would rather say just spend double and get the 2X Mini. You'll be good with that for like, a year before if you stay into this hobby you decide you need to escalate your you know setup and, and go after different things and at that point you'll you'll be well aware of um i do always try to yeah, push I mean, people uh, to small crts though not because i say that's the only way to play it but because oh, sure. if you just look around and you find yourself a 13 inch crt somewhere on the side of the road that works that's it you plug yeah. your console into it now you get the super blast of nostalgia if you're older. If uh, if you're doing it for your kids or for younger people, now you get to show them what it looks and sounds like. It's always funny to hear kids when a CRT turns on, they all jump. Like, is it supposed to sound yeah, like that? Yeah, like, that, um, you get the nostalgia, thing. but you also get the yeah. proper experience. And so, so many people are like, I don't want to deal with that. And that's totally fine. But that could be free if you just spend a moment looking at it and you you know you already have your old console. But yeah, you're a hundred percent right in that, you know, I just, it's, yeah, just it's one of those weird and... things and there's always exceptions. Like, do you remember the brand Colby back when we were kids? So they kind of made the logo yeah. look like Sony and they had a Walkman with the headphones. It totally was a ripoff of yeah. the Sony Walkman. And it's like, they yeah. worked The you know, sound came through those. And if you were listening to books on tape or something, there's really not a difference between the original, but like. I couldn't, you know, your favorite band through one of those, like, you know, I, most kids back then would have probably thrown out those headphones pretty quickly anyway, but like, you know, now you're starting to take away from the experience and it's kind of the same thing. Like if you're playing a turn by turn role playing game, you know, those $20 garbage cables are probably fine and you know, you don't really yeah. have to worry about it, but the moment you play your, the, your favorite game, then things start to change and it's just, uh, 
it's a weird balance too because I just I, I talk to people who own game stores all the time, and it's always the same thing. Like we want to have options, but people will come in off the street and be like, "Hey, I just found my." super nintendo and want to play it well look you know it's kind of rough if you don't want to deal with the crt you can use this or this uh uh i'm not spending that much money what's the cheapest well we have the 25 but i'm telling you you know you, you try it if you want but you're gonna come back like you know and it's just people won't listen they just want the cheapest thing so it's it's kind of hard and it's actually kind of good for the local stores because they do get to build that relationship with the customers and yeah. you know they get to be honest where you get zero of that online which is makes it way more yeah. difficult for you. You always feel like if I um opened a, a game store I would definitely like uh, I'm pretty sure Brooklyn does this where they demo like they have they have like so you can see how it works. Oh yeah. Um because I think seeing is believing, right? Like if, if you have like, Hey, here's, here's, if you spend $70, here's, if you spend $30, just, and then at that point it's their call. Like, I mean, whatever. Um, and like you said, if they're just playing RPGs, that's one thing you're going to play final fantasy two on your super Nintendo, no big deal. But the moment you pop in like Mega Man X or something, it's like, okay, well, or even Mario <laughs> Kart, right? That's Mario kind of a, a happy, happy in between. Like important. Yeah. And, and and now we're just talking about timing this, like disregard the actual quality of the, how the colors are presented and things like that. But, um, but yeah, that's what I wanted to do with, with this is like give, give stores like that an option um, to carry some of the stuff without it saying like Castlemania on it, you know, just Rondo's its own separate whole company. Um, technically castlemania issues po's too and all that kind of a thing for bookkeeping purposes um but yeah <laughs> but you're open um, and honest about that so it's not like that one notorious company that asks everybody to pay this strange company that they've never heard of before so they could scoot all uh, legal issues when they sell their clone products so uh, yeah no you're yeah. being transparent about that way different than that other scenario yeah no um this was you know because i could have just created a wholesale auction Mm -hmm. um, as it is through the castle mania site but i wanted to brand it differently um so that you you know stores would feel like hey you know what like this is kind of a community thing we don't all have to be like cutthroat and like trying to screw each other over like i'll just provide this i mark the prices up at castle mania assuming the wholesale cost right because i do pay it via that and uh, it should give everyone enough incentive to carry these things so um we're gonna have um we're kind of like the the pandemic kind of really slowed things down for that whole thing mm -hmm. just because of sourcing stuff uh but we'll have a publishing arm as well um master system turbo graphics 16 genesis mega drive um nes and super nintendo are all boards that we're working on or are complete um, doing the extra step to, to mold all my own shells. So they're not just like, like, um, they're either just blank on the back or they say Sega on the back, you know, these don't say that, um, they're, they're unique and done, uh, proper. And then just, you know, as soon as we can with, with some different things, um, there would be more products, uh, up for wholesale if I could order them in bulk, but at the moment they're, there's some there's plenty to buy on there the triad stuff's flooded on there um x station 
So we've got an EU distributor now for XStation uh, that's buying via Rondo and uh, other mod kits and things like that. We'll, we'll do through all that. Um, a lot of these type of projects, we try to like, um, when I say we, it's like me and whoever I'm working with, we try to like keep the logic that's programmed into them in as few hands as possible, mm. you know? So running it through a wholesale channel like this is, is key. Used to be people would just send uh, stuff over to overseas, you know, to be assembled, uh, the PCBA uh, with programming. But now we're just having them put like, um, assemble that and we program them locally. Almost everything I do is programmed locally. Mm. Um, XStation, Fenrir, um, the... Uh, uh, Powerbase Mini FMs, which are done. We're just in final assembly on those now. Those took a long time, but whole story behind that. But those are those are done. And uh, we program all that logic locally and test it all locally. Um, and that's why there aren't clones of these things. Because <laughs> one, one thing that people should should realize, too, that, that I don't think people do, is you get into, like, our fab. People say like, well, don't, don't you have a good relationship with your your fabricator and 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 like the interest? Yes, I do. But what people don't realize is that a lot of these shops are in a big building. So if you like look up their address, it's always like second floor unit three or whatever, right? A lot of that equipment they're using is shared between them, the fab below them, the fab above them, the fab on the other side of the hall. They're all slotting in time on these pick and place machines and different things. And so what that means is your board is in a room with other shops at all different times. Right. And if they wanted to some other, it may not be your person that cloned it. It could be somebody else in the building that cloned it. They just were in there and they just snagged the designs. And so we don't let logic escape because, you know, it just, it, once it's over there, it's not it's not just your person that has that. It's not like there's one person over there programming those and it's like locked on their PC. No, it's like downstairs in a thing now being programmed, um, you know, in mass. And, and that's how stuff gets cloned. So hard to do when it's like the um, there, there are people even here that I don't know if clones the right word, but they basically look at a design. Um, I'm talking about something with no logic to it, just like a pass through, like whatever it could be like, uh, could be anything. And they'll, they'll just get out their calipers yeah. and they'll start making their, their own, like, yeah. So mod, I talked know? about that with Nick a while back and it's, I feel like yeah. we should like make up better words for this because what you're talking about mm-hmm. is essentially a stolen design. Um, and yeah, they're duplicating a design is cause they pulled out their calipers and pulled up Eagle no no like, what you're talking it. about at the manufacturer like so if, oh. you, if your company works first and second shift and they take third shift off and another company runs in and steals that and makes their own that's a stolen yeah, design that's, that's I and then that the sure. person that reverse engineers with their calipers on something with no logic is technically clean room reverse engineering technically yeah so it's still a clone and there are there are times in which that's okay and there are times in which that's not uh, and then there's yeah. the people that would actually do that and then break the security, dump the logic off of it and cloned that one. 
Um, and, and that's think... one of the things that uh, that we've seen a few times as well. But it is more common for people to just clone the discrete circuits. Uh, and, and it's uh, it's all pretty tricky. So that's why, you know, if you're going to have something like an RGB mod board with a, an amp and a couple of resistors and capacitors on it, like, you know, if you make your own, sell it for a good price and keep it in stock because there's nothing stopping somebody legally from cloning that and selling it because it's not yeah. technically illegal. Legally. Yeah. Um, legally and, and, you know, like, if, if you... Yeah, there there's so many variations. Like if if you take a design and um, it's absent the logic piece, and you create your own logic, you know, to run that, um, that that is probably more acceptable. But the and but it also depends, like too, like um, you know, if you're doing something, if you're reverse engineering legacy products because nobody's making it anymore and you want to make new product and and you and you're doing this like clean room reverse engineering of um i mean you're really just that that's one thing yeah you're not stealing money out of somebody's pocket yeah but that's what i'm saying like if you take somebody else who makes like um different mod kits you know or different like you know rgb amp or whatever and they're like just announced it and they're actively selling it. And three months later, you announce your own and it looks exactly the same. That's a little, that's a little dicey because it's like absent that first one, would the second one even exist? I think the answer is no. So that's and dicey. The other person and that's frowned upon. It. Yeah. But what we've seen more than, more than once is somebody announces somebody, something puts a picture up. Is having a run of them made or hand making them themselves, and somebody else takes that picture, has the same yeah. design, and throws them up for sale for five bucks cheaper. And technically, yeah, it's clean room and en- reverse engineering. About. Yeah, it's that shit's gross. That's like yeah, you know, that's gross and frowned upon. Yeah. But um, yeah, and then you know, stealing logic is is just like you said in the first place. That's just straight up IP theft. Um, if you were to like. Like you said, shipped three, you took off, and somebody else just cloned it. You know, that's just that's just not okay. Um, yeah, what's upsetting but, to me isn't so isn't as much that this happens is that so many people don't give a shit, and, and that's the thing that really bugs me. Like, you know, it, it's for some reason humans still haven't evolved to be able to really put themselves in somebody else's shoes unless somebody like really talks about it, you know, and really drives the point home. And it's just something for me that like, how could you not like, how could you laugh at that or, or, or mock well, that when it's like, how, like, what if you just worked your butt off on something and you put your own money into it and you, you, you this is a huge gamble. And then all of a sudden somebody steals it from out from under you and you can't pay your bills. Cause that money that you were, yeah. you know, that you were or counting like on showing up to work one day and someone else is sitting at your desk nobody said anything you're just like what who's this right because they took an eraser and erased your name off of all of your work put their name on it and was like no 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 bob wasn't doing shit he was home drinking Uh, you see there's a picture of him drinking a beer but right here i was the one working see you got my name on it like and and i'll do it for a few dollars less an hour yeah yeah it's a better it's a better analogy well done (laughs) yeah so yeah so i don't know um i guess uh I don't know where we go from here, but the Castlemania, yeah, it, it definitely started off as a hobby that turned into um, 
business that turned into me really diving deep into this community to try to help figure out the best and better ways to do these things. Um, and, you know, I'm along for the ride just as much as anyone else, you know, like I'm, I'm always learning. I, I mean, I learn a heck of a lot, um, alongside you when you're interviewing people and you're also, you know, hearing about things and learning things. Um, it's just, that's, what's so cool about this community is, is it brings together all these people who, um, have a passion for something and they're just saying like, here's the part I can contribute to the whole, you know, um, like I, I hear Zach, uh, call out sometimes his, his, um, uh, the people who are, are trying to like judge him for this or that. And he's like, well, what have you contributed lately? You know, well, some of it, we don't all need to be like creating tangible products or whatever, sharing information in a positive way is contributing, you know, writers on retro RGB are contributing people who just talk about or share a video are contributing. So you can contribute in a good way or a bad way, but what's cool is like how, how the passion in this community. And I think that's really um, the allure for like running a business in this community game, retro gaming didn't just like fall in front of me, like a, um, like a uh, private labeler. It's just like, Oh, I don't know. My cousin, makes it we're brought together because we actually love this stuff you know um but it's just like there are a lot of hobbies out there like there are youtube channels for all kinds of things you know um playing music um doing uh working on cars um you know it's it's funny like car buying you know is a whole thing Uh, i recently had to buy a car and there's like dealerships with large YouTube followers, you know, talking about how to buy a car in today's market, what to look for, what not to do, um, you know, all these different things, you know, it's like, or former car salesmen telling the secrets and stuff. Everybody's down for the hustle. There's a whole community here about buying cars, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess you just got to pick what you want to spend your time doing. But for me and for us, I feel like this is, this is what we chose. (laughs) Having a good time doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think anybody, you, me, who takes something that's a hobby and, and builds it into a business has to go through a lot of the same exact things that are kind of frustrating. And one of the things that hit both of us pretty hard is like when you're when you're reaching that hurdle of now it's full time, you don't have the budget to hire a team of people to keep up. And at the same time, yeah. like now, like if you really want to do this, you got to just buckle down and do it. And I think um, for me, the articles, the the guides, the videos, a lot of that stuff fell through the cracks. Not the like what I wanted to do that never did. And it's just yeah. one of those things where it's like I, I just, you know, I asked for help where uh, where I could. And luckily, I've met a bunch of really amazing people that share my same passion for sharing the knowledge. So, you know, shout out to all the contributors um, but it's a little different when you have like a packaging shipping business, right? Because it's like, you know, nobody's oh, yeah. passion and hobby is to take things, put it in a box and put a label on it. You know what I mean? Like that's that's work yeah, work. That, you got to pay people. That's for that. the functional piece of it. The the actual um, like the grind part of it, right? Is, mm. uh, you know, and like I was saying earlier, literally could have been anything like I could have went into selling automotive parts and I'd be literally doing the same functionally, the same things, all the stuff about taxes that I talked about, all the stuff about sourcing products I talked about, 
the actual putting it in a box and shipping it out, all of none of that would functionally change. It's just what are you spending your your actual um, productive hours of brain time thinking about and focusing on, you know, and trying to to work on because there's always the next thing you've got to work on, the next product you've got to develop or follow up with somebody on or see through to its end. Um, but like you just said, um, these shifts, there's like these like it's like it went from an eBay business to a um, to to an actual formal business with a website that I was um, channeling. Like most of our sales go through the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do a good volume on eBay and Amazon and, and even Walmart now, but it's ninety five percent is probably Castlemania, if not more. Mm-hmm. The the site and the transition to going from like hobby. Like this is something like initially, like my initial goal when I was first doing like what I was talking about with going to, um, you know, like, you know, thrifting and cleaning things up and selling. Like, I just wanted to build my collection up. You know, I had lost some of it during the recession, unfortunately, sold stuff for pennies that are worth a lot more now. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I was like kind of getting back into gaming and I just wanted to build this back up. So I was doing what I did before, back when I was a teenager, early 20s. It's like buying lots, um, taking a few games out, taking that back to the pawn shop or whatever, selling it to them or trading it to them for some other stuff. And that was like my whole thing initially. Um, but then it started to like, go, oh my gosh, you know, I can actually do that and make some money on this. And then it went into, Oh, I should make this a business and, um, and, and try to make it scalable, set up some wholesale accounts and this and that. And then it became exactly what you were just talking about where it's like, okay, this is starting to take up a lot of my time. Like I'm up until, you know, I used to ship until like two in the morning, you know, Jeez. um, just because I would be, you know, on a, on a super busy night, most of the time it'd be like 1230 and I was waking up and going to work like my day job, you know? And at some point I had to go, when is this more important than this, you know? And so when I decided to go Castlemania full time several years ago now, you know, that's a big jump. And then, you know, and it's to try to like, you always think there's more time like okay once I do oh that, yeah I'm time to do the fucking you know? most guilty at that i have a pile of things right there with yeah. a bunch of people wait yeah waiting on me to help promote that that i'm just like oh man i gotta yeah i gotta buckle down and do it yeah so then it turns into like okay um you you get rid of this income to do this full time and then you realize that you didn't gain the the tons of time that you thought you would because business is still growing and there's always like it's like um your time will just get used up one way or the other so at some point you're like okay you know i gotta hire somebody you know and that's a scary thought because now somebody's depending on you for an income right yeah and so now we're like um at this point we have two people myself and one other person here Mm full-time like here at the shop and then we have one person who's full time, well, almost full time, about, she does about 35 hours or so of customer service every week. And that was a big jump that we did. Um, I think it was just before Thanksgiving, hmm. uh, where we moved. I just realized I was like, I got to get customer service off of my, you know, it's like something I would do at the top of the day. 
to watch out for, hey, can you change my shipping address or or what those kind of things that I had to get done before shipping, then work with <clears throat> the other person in our shop to like either go, hey, you need to put these kits together or you need to assemble these and I'm going to ship that or I'm going to put these things together and you're going to ship that to now it's like then at the end of the day, like trying to catch up when I'm like super tired on tickets, you know, to now that's all just handled and it's awesome. I, I just love that because I only get pulled in on the things where it's like, Hey, this person's talking nerd stuff. I, I have no idea what they're talking about. Like she's a gamer, but she's like the gamer that I was talking about that goes into your like local store and she doesn't know all this stuff. She's learning it now, but she didn't know all this stuff. Right. Yeah. She just plays, um, like her thing was she plays, um, I think it's Final Fantasy 14, the MMO version. Mm-hmm. Like that's what she, that's her gaming. She's like PC gaming and a little bit of console, but mostly that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know if she does wow or, or what, but she, she does that side of gaming that I don't do, frankly, you know? And so she handles all of that. Um, and then I was just talking to you about this the other day. It was just, I'd been planning to launch the phone number, you know, like we should have a toll free number. Like people should be able to call us without calling oh, the cell phone, you know? And that's a big decision. That's a huge decision. And, and you would see the other people when I announced it, like Mike, Chief, for example, who he knows what it's like to run a business. He knows it's like, oh, it's a big decision, man. Customer <laughs> you know? service so is, is so it important really is and it... so thankless, like painfully thankless. But you have to yeah. do it, and you have to be good at it. And it, it it's yeah. just it's brutal for absolutely everybody involved. Because I saw yeah. a whole thread one time that I still, I think I screenshotted it or something. It still gets passed around behind the scenes for people who just want to laugh at how stupid people are. But there was an entire thread of people who hate you because there was some limited edition thing. And somebody who had order number 35 got theirs on Friday, but somebody with order number 90 got theirs on Wednesday. So why did order 90 get it before order 30? You're destroying their memories, Ryan. Turns out, I think the person who had the higher number was like, outside of your town or something and that's why it arrived two days earlier or something like that and it's just like that that type of stuff it's like you know it 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 just it drives me nuts but on the flip side of things it's like i've heard people be like oh well you know i've emailed twice i don't know about my order and it's like as the customer that sucks a lot where did your money go is it past the time that you could do a chart you know is it six months later don't you know people don't be assholes don't do chargebacks in a week but if it's a year later like i understand that or is it past the time and on the flip side of it i also see the whole well i can't answer your question because i have a distributor a manufacturer a part supplier you know an assembler like there's seven people that i'm waiting for the answers to as well so i can't answer your question and it's it's just thankless. It's necessary and yeah, absolutely it, brutal. Well, it's challenging in the in the only way to. Um, so there's like lots of ways to solve these problems, and my approach is to do all of them, like all the ways. So like what I'll do is, um, you know, like um, initially I think when I did like Holy Diver, that mm-hmm. was before I was on the Shopify platform. And what I had in, in the way of tools to like deliver a, like an agreed upon message at the time of sale was limited. Um, whereas now, like you literally have to check a box that says, I, I know this is a pre-order and, and just kind of like 
working through this example, people would still um, email me like a week later and be like, hey, where is my item? And I'm like, this thing ships in four months. This isn't even made yet. This game isn't even published yet. You agreed that you read that, right? That's what I'm thinking, but you don't say that, right? You're like, right. oh, hey, apologize. It looks like you didn't didn't catch that this was a pre-order. You know, let us know if you want to change. So you would say something like that. So then I added on an email that says in the subject line, one or more of the items on your order is a pre-order, right? So it's like, at some point, like if you're just checking the box and not reading your email and not doing like you're not just paying attention, you're just like flying through something, um, then then I don't know what to do about that other than to go back and work with the um, the manufacturers and the publishers of these things and go, can we get out of this? Hey, we're only going to make a thousand and get more into the like open pre-order that just says like for Wiley Wars, for example, from this date to this date, they're for sale. It doesn't matter when you buy it. You're going to get it as long as it's between this date and this date. You don't have to fly through and like camp out at your computer just so that at 9 a.m. like you can see if you're lucky enough to order one. You know, none of that. Just from here to here. And then that's how many will make plus like a surplus for warranty and whatnot. And I think that that's helped a lot. Um, the... Uh, like I have a, a status page, which I'm kind of retooling right now um, behind the scenes. Like that's stuff people don't see where I'm like spending hours, like working with a developer to like to, to retool something mm-hmm. to make it easier to read. Like, so for example, you'll be able to like search for a product rather than like have to scroll through. Cause I was noticing people were like, Hey, like, you know, um, my item's not on the page. And then I go to the page and it absolutely is on the page. They're just not seeing it as they skim. So like adding like a search and stuff like that. Um, So you give them that tool and then we're rolling out a tool that's a little overdue. We had to scrap the original and we're rebuilding where it's just going to auto update you via email. If anything's changed about the original ETA of your order, just, Oh, that's pretty cool. So, you know, this was expected to ship in late March. And we've heard from the manufacturer that it's actually going to be late April, whatever mm. it is, right? Emails only people who actually bought that item. Example. Item. So those are those are ways through automation and things like that to kind of bulk inform people. Mm. But then the, um, of course, having an email or a ticket system is key, but it's only great if people are getting their answers timely, which that's why we got Danielle on the team. Mm-hmm. And since she's been on the team, I think it's just been a night and day. Um, Cause that's all she does. Like she doesn't have to worry about shipping. She just has to worry about clearing the queue, but that's right. it, you know? And then adding the, the phone service has been really good. Um, we're, we're just, I guess we're still on our first week of it, but uh, for the most part, you know, uh, it's been well received and it gives people that, that thing where like, you know, like when you're checking out and and you use PayPal and PayPal used your, you might deal with this specifically. Like it still has your old address in there or something. And, you're yeah, like, oh, yeah, crap. Yeah. and you get that email order acknowledgement. It's like, oh crap, that's my old address. And, and you know, it's in stock and probably going to ship today. Like you don't want to fire off a ticket. You want to call somebody and say like, hey, you're probably pulling this order right now. And I just realized it's, uh, 
it's got my old info or whatever. So I've gotten a few of those already. Yeah, Easy the phone number is uh, the phone number is important, but you got to do follow through with that. And I'm not directing this at you. I, I'll tell a quick story just so everybody knows that I'm not like this isn't like a underhanded insult to you or anything. But about a, mm-hmm. I don't know, a month or two ago, I, I wanted something weird and strange and only one store had it. And um, it was a computer part. And I called the number and somebody picked up and I just asked a quick question. I was like, hey, I just, you know, I want to make sure it has this before I buy it because I don't want to waste both of our time. They confirmed it. I was like, all right, well, look, um, do you get commission on this call? I can give you my credit card now or if there's no commission based, it'd be easier for me to just type it in. And they were very friendly. No, 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 we're all, you know, there's no commission. We're all in this together. I was like, all right, great. And then a week goes by and then two weeks go by. And I just like, hey, just did this ship yet? I was kind of waiting on this. I called to make sure another week goes by. And I was like, listen, I, I've, you know, I called the number three times, Monday, Wednesday, and now this is Friday. No one's picking up. Mm. It's been two weeks since I've gotten a response to my email. Can you just cancel my my order if you can't get it out today? Because, you know, it's been weeks. You can't get it. And I get an email back. Uh, in case you don't know, there's been a snowstorm today. So, of course, nobody's in the office. And then they canceled my order and refunded me. And it's like, um, fuck face. This is yeah, that's three. Just, that's just, there's um, not it's just a global storm shutting you down for three weeks. Yeah. So if you're going to have, yeah. if you're going to put that out there and, and have a phone number that people call, like there's even more pressure than to deliver on it reasonably. Absolutely. I didn't say deliver that a ship that day, three weeks without a shipment of something that's on a shelf over there. That's not a pre-order on is a reasonable period of time to be upset. So it's, yeah, you know, puts no, a lot of pressure and, and that's on you. Where, like, um, like we're we're at this like unique middle ground where we're not like a small store, mm-hmm. and we're not a huge store. Like we're kind of in that awkward space in the middle, where in a lot of ways it's kind of a good thing because we can be nimble and and just do things maybe differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we use we use some back end tools for tracking. Um, all kinds of things like um, how long is it actually taking to ship from this place to this place? And we can look at the last several shipments we've got and kind of like figure it out because um, you'll always be told two weeks. But then if you look back, it's like, yeah, it always takes three to four weeks with these vendors. So then we can more accurately communicate an estimate to the customer. So we use like a project management software uh, for planning out like our days. And also so Danielle can like look and see what I'm working on that day. Like, sh- you know, she sees that we're programming X stations that day and there's really not that many in the queue. She can, you know, basically she can um, w- make the educated call that like, oh yeah, they're working on this right now. Um, this should go out today, tomorrow latest, you know, kind of a mm-hmm. response. But at the same time, if it's something like what you just said, where it's like, hey, you show one of these, whatever it is, um, she just she's in Texas. Right. So I'm in just out of Seattle. So we're like across the country from each other. She's not going to walk over to the other room. (laughs) Right. But she'll hit me on Slack and just say, hey, can you check? It only shows one in stock. This person wants it, you know, and then I would literally go physically check pull the thing off and go yep i got it go ahead and put the order through pop it in this one specific spot so i see it and then i'll make sure it goes out and so we have like ways of handling the fact that we're uh three thousand miles apart but also feels to the customer more like she went into the other room and checked 
you know? Yeah, that's so, so cool. With a bigger company, maybe they can do that, you know? Like I, the last company I was at, like the, the warehouse had, you know, 60 people walking around in it. And you could page the warehouse. You could page them and say, hey, stop chuckling, blah, 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 you know? And yeah. You know, Maybe somebody would come. A lot of times they would just literally walk up to your office and like put the thing on your desk. And I'm like, I didn't ask for that. Now, how are you going to ship it when I put the order in? Like, what the hell? You know? So it's like too big of a company, you know, like we, they didn't have systems for that kind of thing, you know? Uh, but for us, yeah, I, I mean, we can handle that, you know, and that kind of a thing with the, with the phone system. What's cool is um, it's actually, in a, it's the same company that does the email tickets. Hmm. So if you leave a um, voicemail, it just becomes a ticket that you listen to and follow up with, you know? So like, it's only on during business hours. And I said it to her, that's why it's central time. People, I wondered if people would be confused about that. So I'm in Seattle and a lot of people know that are outside of Seattle, but it's, it's based around her time because she's more often than not going to be the one that answers it. I answer them too, but that's more if like the routing is that she's already on a call or checked out. Yeah. It's a so. lot of work and it's a lot of, you know, on the one hand, it's a lot of unfair pressure for a company, but on the other hand, if that company that I just talked about just responded to an email in a two week period, three weeks after, after the purchase or picked yeah. up their phone or took the time to respond, not snarky and shitty to me about a very reasonable response then I would be telling people like, Hey, look at this weird, neat thing that you could use to build this thing that I was talking about. And, and now it's like, I'm not going to say their name out loud. Cause I don't like to be like that. But if you ask me afterwards, you're damn right. I'm going to tell you, yeah, don't freaking buy it from this company. Cause you might not get it ever. And it's, it's unfair, right? Like what if my email just got forgotten and what if every other order from that yeah. three week period on got fulfilled and they did an amazing job and I was the yeah. only one that got screwed over and now I'm telling my friends don't buy it. It's, you know, everybody loses and it's, it, it could have been nobody's fault. Maybe they're a bunch of pieces of shit. I don't know. Maybe they're all a bunch of wonderful people, but that's yeah. the point. Right. And it, it You'll sucks. Never know. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, and it, things shouldn't fall through the cracks. Um, they do with any company. Um, I'm not saying they don't with us. They certainly do. Uh, but for us, I think the the good news is, is that we're, you know, like, like I was saying last year was particularly difficult because we're in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if this part shortage is going to shut down the entire, like, product lines that we like had planned or not and i'm like going should we hire somebody like you know i mean like we need to but like ship shortage is real i mean this affected um yeah and just to interrupt real quick for anybody listening it's not just a matter of do we hire somebody lose all of our money and then decide that was a bad idea. Well, it's very often to forget there's another human there. Do we tell somebody yeah. accept this job instead of another one that might've been safer Absolutely. just to find out three months from now that the part shortage is going to shut most of us down. And now I have to fire you and leave you jobless. Like that's yeah. if you've never been in that position to hire somebody in a smaller company, or I guess if, you know, or even in a bigger company, if you have a conscience, then it's like, that's a lot of pressure, a lot of yeah. pressure. So we, we, we ended up pulling that trigger, um, obviously, and we did it because we're comfortable with that. You know, some of the very, very key products, I was talking about these cabinets before I did, I had to, um, it was 
tough and I'm still working my way through, but I had to buy components hmm. um, for stuff that, you know, like it's I bought like a year's supply of stuff, you know, which is a lot of money to put out, but I know I have them now. So I can go ahead and make that kind of other decision, you know, because I'm not really worried about, it's like, there are some products that I wanted to release this year um, that I'm still trying to, to get out. Um, and there's some that I can't, you know, so, or at least not yet. We'll see. Um, but yeah, for us, I think, you know, it was good to bring her in because, um, you know, she's, she's pretty close to have having caught up with everything. Like she walked into a, a bit of a backlog, you know, and at this point now she's clearing out, you know, ticket comes in at the end of the day, 24 hours, it's done. It's done. Um, very few exceptions, uh, to that, but, I think, you know, with that and with everything else going on, um, things are starting to feel a little more streamlined and good um, on, on that side of things. And then, yeah, as far as everything else goes, I think um, with the chips shortage, it's just changing what's coming out. It's not it's not preventing like stuff. It, it's changing the timelines of when things will come out and maybe what's going to get you know, some things that were like maybe less important before are now, Hey, well, you know, I'm going to slot this over here and slot that over there. But, um, there's definitely a lot of cool stuff in the pipeline that is yeah. coming. Um, yeah, that's for damn sure. You know, like for example, um, uh, you know what? I don't, I don't want to, I don't know if I should. Yeah. No, should no spoilers that. here. No, no teasers. Cause but, but for there, our, no, in our luck, we'll talk products. about something we're working on. That'll never come out because of the part shortage. <laughs> I'll say this. There are products people are aware of that they are waiting on. And the answer is parts. That's mm. it. There, there are a lot of things that where it's boiled down to just simply that. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they'd be out by now. So, yeah. Uh, well, I but, think this is know, probably like, a good a good time to wind it down. I think we may have uh, bored yeah. everybody to death with behind the scenes, uh, you know, procurement of parts yeah. and stuff like that. But hopefully people found a, a little a nice little glimpse in it. Um I realized halfway through that I probably should have, you know, I'm just so used to, to talking to you. I probably should have done a little disclaimer here. So uh, this interview was my idea. I asked you to come hang out and talk with me. This is not being sponsored. I do have affiliate links to Castlemania games, but there will be none on this post other than my, my usual, like, support me on Patreon stuff. Um, this is not like a... This is not a corporate strategic thing. Like, this is just I wanted to talk to my friend Ryan... I wanted to talk about the things that you do. I wanted to talk about some of the stuff that we did, but I I, I kind of didn't go down that road because we have a few projects that are on pause because of the the stuff. But yeah, you know, it's um, it, I just wanted. To, I always try to be transparent with people, and I think maybe I'll put a, a fun, happy disclaimer at the beginning of this because it's just, you know, if this was like I have, I would have no problem it, having a sponsored thing. I just want people to know about it. And this was not mm -hmm. that I just wanted to talk to you. And for people that were for people that didn't really know Castlemania games was was essentially you. I want to just kind of introduce you to everybody, for, you know, if, if they weren't aware and, and just kind of show people all the stuff that you go through just to get us some of our cool shit. Yeah, Castlemania is is like I am like the the like the key man. That's what my wife says. She's like well, the key person. Like you're the one person that can't be slotted out. Um, we have uh, my wife, which helps with a lot of the shipping, and she does all of the accounting, all that. She's an accountant by trade, so 
Mm. Totally lucky for that. That helps immensely with all this like tax stuff I was talking about. And then Danielle now part of the team um, for customer service, but that's it. That's the team. We, we do have um, one guy that uh, he works at a game store actually here in town that comes in and helps us um, ship. Like when we get like Wiley Wars or something like that, we just need extra hands on deck. But other than that, yeah, that, that is it. It's a pretty small um, operation. And um, hopefully any of this was interesting. And uh, like, what does it look like to actually run an online store? It's not... Um, you know, contrary to popular beliefs, you know, like we're not just shooting the shit about video games all day and like <laughs> playing video games. Like you, I see the start screen to games more often than I actually play them because it's like, I may be testing a thing where I have to boot it. And it's like, mm, boom, like Google X station, yeah. for example, I see that load screen like hundreds of times in a row, mm-hmm. never actually get through to playing a game on it, you know, or um, like when I was doing the power base mini, um, I was doing, I was using Rastan because it has an FM sound channel mm-hmm. and I have to like get to the, to the part where the level starts to hear if the baseline's in there or not. And then it's out and then it's into the next one. So, I mean, I guess that's fun, but it's not sitting around <laughs> playing video games, you know, it could yeah. just be anything. Like I was saying, it could be, you know, any, any product, but it happens to be video games. So. Well, hopefully um, that was interesting or revealing to, to some people, but yeah. Yeah, and I think next time I would like to. Yeah, when it, when whenever the part shortage slows down enough to get some of these cool things out, I would love to do this again, and I would love to just maybe even get one or two of the developers on and just have a chat between all of us of what it takes to from the time. You know, from the time I'm half asleep at three o'clock in the morning and message a friend like, dude, what if we put this on that and turn it upside down? And then like three days later, the product's done and then we send it on to you and then it gets to the customer's hands. I think it would be really cool to have just a chat with all of us to go through what that process is like. I think it's going to be a very low view count video, but I think the people that do watch it are going to really enjoy the insight into from inception all the way down to, you know, in the customer's hands what that takes um and i think there's always some fun stories that 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 get involved and i think there's certainly a lot of behind the scenes people i'd love to highlight for that as well so uh so let's do this again when we can get those products released a product life cycle conversation would be cool like from from you know concept to to delivery um i'd also think it would be kind of cool because like i know what it's like to run a, a video game store as an online store Mm. I'd love to to get somebody like, you know, Brooklyn video games or somebody like that could speak to the brick and mortar side. Cause I just wonder, you know, like the similarities and also the differences, you know? Yeah. Uh, I I keep forgetting to ask. Um, I I interviewed Chris Crone right when I first started doing this stuff back when I think the interviews were tacked on to the end uh, of the weeklies. So I got to re-interview him one of these days when he's back on the East coast and it's, it's, it's I have such a hard time interviewing friends because like I go down to Brooklyn video games and I give everybody hugs. And I'm like, oh, I miss everybody so much. And then yeah. hours blink by and I'm like, oh, crap, I got to go. And it's like, shit, I, you know, there's enough people in the store where I could have pulled Steve aside and, you know, stuck a mic in his face and done this. And I, yeah. I, I got to make a better I got to be less selfish about hanging out with my friends and take the time to do some wow. more of these interviews about stuff. Yeah. Well, it's easy to not think about that and turn everything into to something but it is it is helpful it is helpful um for other people to 
you know, like some people live in towns where there just isn't this kind of access, you know, yeah. there, there is no local game stop or game stop games, game store, <laughs> game store. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, like, I mean, that's, that's unfortunate, you know, but at least I guess they've got the internet, hopefully. Yep. Um, all right. Well, I will. Uh, you know, I'll leave all your links, but it's castlemaniagames.com is pretty freaking easy to remember. But I'll still drop a link below for everybody. And uh, you know, thanks for taking the time to do this. You know, you got a busy day, yeah. so I appreciate taking the time. And hopefully, people have a, a bit of insight on, on what goes on to this stuff. And we'll have another follow up soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Take care, man.